0: And welcome, everyone. This is the Mind Sculptors Podcast. I am your host, Callahan, and we've got a great show lined up for you today. Joining me for this episode today is my good friend, Pongo. Pongo, how are you doing today? I'm doing well. Awesome. And as well, uh, joining us uh, is, of course, the legendary uh, Cobblepot. Cobblepot, how are you doing today? I'm doing well. Good to be here. Awesome. Uh, We've got a uh, Strixhaven set review lined up for everybody today. Uh, We're going to be breaking down some of the cards that we think are going to be important or worth discussing for the CEDH metagame here in this upcoming set. But before we do that, I just want to thank everybody for joining us this week. If you like this episode or any of our other episodes, please make sure to like, subscribe and comment down below. If you want access to our Discord server as well as some extra content, make sure to head on over to our Patreon patreon.com forward slash Sculptors, or check out the link in the description. We also now have a TCG player affiliate link. So if you're going to be buying any cards soon, Go ahead and check out that link in the description, and uh, that'll help the show out as well. So uh, we, like I said, we've got the Strixhaven set review today, uh, and there are some interesting cards we were talking about here uh, before we went on, and there's lots of lots of stuff to unpack here. So let's just go ahead and kind of start it off. Uh, Cobble, we're, we're we're talking with Strix Proctor, uh, and for the people who are unfamiliar with the card, we're gonna let you know it is. Uh, one colorless and a white creature, uh, flying that says whenever a permanent entering the battlefield causes a triggered ability to trigger, counter that ability unless its controller pays two colorless. Well, two of any color, I suppose. Um, so couple, when we're looking at this card and uh, we're trying to evaluate it, thinking of where it uh, kind of lands in the CDH meta game, what are you thinking about with this?
1: Right. This. So I mean. Most people when they when they're evaluating this card the you know the text and the power are are going to make you think about things like hushbringer or uh, torpor orb, you know the kinds of effects that are going to be interacting with triggered abilities of what you know normally is creatures entering the battlefield. Uh, this is the first time that we're seeing something that is interacting with triggered abilities. Of just any any permanent at all, so you know lands entering the battlefield, enchantments, and so on. So, um, what what it's doing here is instead of being a kind of a, a hard counter to the to that to those powers, the, the way that Torpor Orb is, it is permissive. So we are allowing whoever is in control of of, of one of those uh, triggered effects the option to either let the effect get countered. Or to um, pay to and and ignore it, and mm-hmm. um, what that does is it, it gives it some some interesting flexibility. I I you know for for me, I when I'm looking for this kind of effect, I don't want to be giving people permission to mm-hmm. be able to ignore it because in in most cases the the, the things that I'm looking to stop. When I'm wanting to interact with a triggered ability on ATB, are things like Dockside Extortionist or uh, Thassa's Oracle, and right. th- those two right there, um, because they're so cheap, people are 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 almost always going to be able to have the mana on hand. Two to extra able- mana, exactly. They're going to be able to pay through it. So, um, right right there, it's it's kind of failing at the the use case for 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 which i think the i like the naive use cases you know the 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 one that people are like well i want to have this to be able to keep people from being able to act on the game plan that they're trying to do um if 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 someone's on a like a tatiova list or something and they're wanting to interact with you know they they want to generate card draw from every land coming into the battlefield then this will stop that um it's you know it, it's it's trading this permission for hitting a wider uh a wider range of triggers. So Mm -hmm. instead of just creature oriented triggers, it's, it's everything. Um, but for, for my money, I mean, yeah, you can do some, some things like you can, you can say, well, I, if I want a a Lotus field to come into the battlefield and not have to sacrifice the lands or, Mm -hmm. you know, have a a rest in peace, be able to come in and not exile everything. Um, when it enters the battlefield, because most people actually don't even realize that. Uh, that it actually has a triggered when it enters the battlefield because well it just you know exiles everything anyway but um if you have a rest in peace enter the battlefield with this in the battlefield you know then you can have that option of well maybe I want to keep some of the things around in the graveyards and just prohibit new things from entering the graveyard from from this point on so there's 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 some I guess interesting stuff that you can do if you're you're trying to be creative there but I mean for my money I'd rather just have Hushbringer or Torpor Orb and uh, right. have kind of a hard lockdown on really the, the two most important, most important effects that are in the metagame that you want to hold up.
0: Right. And the funny thing to me, I, I, I think you mentioned this, is, is how it interacts with Rest in Peace specifically. Yeah. Um, because it doesn't exile the graveyards um, when, it enter- when you could just choose not to pay that
1: ability, which is which is cute. I don't know that it means much. Uh, I mean, yeah, in the case want... where if someone's got like a Savine's reclamation and that's really important, you know, for some line where you're going to be, you know, reiterating things through the graveyard, then you don't want to, you know, lose that. But then again, what are you You're running, probably not on rest, rest and and peace yeah. in peace. Yeah. Why do yeah, you have right. rest that's in peace? If issue. that's a, <laughs> <laughs> if that's an important right. part of your game plan, why are you doing that? So yeah, it,
0: it, this is going to be a theme that kind of comes up with some of these cards um, where they're throughout this this podcast. I I am I, I have this feeling that there is this theme throughout these cards where there's a couple really good cards. And then there's a few cards where there's a weird tension uh, between what it does and what you want to be doing
1: in a strategy that would be interested in this. Um Right. I mean, I wouldn't say that I I, I wouldn't expect that this is going to see a lot of play in the CEDH metagame, but it's worth talking about because it is adjacent to the kinds of things that you see in the CEDH metagame and maybe kind of understanding why it might not have what it needs to be able to have a presence is is important. And, you know, well,
0: y'all know Charles is going to be playing this. He will. Right.
1: Yeah. (laughs)
2: No doubt. (laughs) No doubt. You know, it is like Hushbringers five through eight for like stifle knot style decks, you know, <laughs> like Phyrexian right. dreadnought decks in legacy that are looking to uh essentially stifle the uh detrimental ETB trigger. Uh and, and, and I hey, I mean you could cast a Croaks into this. There you go. Right. So I, I, I <laughs> tend to actually agree that uh this card it's not super compelling for your average white uh or multicolored white deck. Um, mono white maybe plays it just because of you know sort of a lack of options yeah exactly Um, and where i could potentially see it actually seeing some serious plays if in the future we get some kind of commander that's exceptionally powerful but has like a strong detrimental etb um, Mm -hmm. where you might want to start like loading up on effects like this because you know you want to take advantage of your commander's busted ability whatever that might be uh and this actually does attack the metagame you know at least to some extent so there's at least some upside to running these effects
0: right we're not quite there yet though yeah we're not we're not quite there but it's interesting to kind of see that um you know it's it's very interesting um the things that interacts with
1: profitably are all things that we don't see in cdh is right you don't see dreadnought in cdh you don't see lotus field in cdh or uro or you know any of those other things uh, yeah right so i mean it's it's not in a vacuum a a bad card it's just not a well-placed card to have a good position in the CDH. i say that
0: except there's a very high probability we'll about to we'll probably see a croaks a deck pop up in a major league commander yes, <laughs> for this <sure>. summer <laughs> on the bright side um, you won't die to your own leveler right there
2: you
0: right. go <laughs> uh, well next card up on our list is blue card it's called archmage Amer. Emer- how do i say this word Emeritus. Emeritus, Emeritus. Yeah. Emeritus. as you can see i didn't go to college <laughs> Uh so it's two colorless and two blue pips. It's a creature that's 2/2 two, two with magecraft. That says whenever you cast or copy an instant or sorcery spell, draw a card. So this is kind of in that uh Vidalcan Archmage Joyra Weatherlight Captain um like vein of card. Uh Pongo, how do you feel about this one?
2: Uh so it's an interesting card. We've definitely seen cards like this um in in Magic so far, uh, you know, one that comes to mind right from the start. You know, you you mentioned one. Uh, there's also like Wave Break Hippocamp that's like somewhat yeah. similar. At three mana, it's whenever you cast your first spell during each opponent's turn, draw a card. Um, so this obviously has some major upside over that, right? In the sense that uh, you're going to be drawing a card every time you cast an instant. So you know, for every card that you cast during an opponent's turn, additionally for every sorcery. Um, so, you know, you're, you're just drawing tons of cards off this thing. That's for sure. Uh, where it kind of like runs into some issues is the fact that it's at four mana. Um, traditionally I'm not a huge fan of four mana draw engines, but, uh, you know, there's certainly, I, I could see a place for it in, in certain, maybe, uh, like lower color decks that, uh, again, don't necessarily have a ton of access to like a lot of uh, super efficient, powerful draw engines. We're talking about blue, though, uh, so that might not necessarily be the case. <laughs> Blue's card pool is quite deep. Um, where where it's kind of really interesting, though, is specifically in like Clark Sakashima type decks. Um, you know, the whole like copying aspect of it is, I would say, pretty
0: neat um, when you consider Some... that. <laughs> Somewhere I can feel Ken just getting really excited.
1: Right. <laughs> it, it, it's, it's interesting to me just as things got spoiled for, for this set in particular. And, and I, I feel like the past couple of sets, I, I feel like we can almost segment the the card pool into well here's the Cedh cards and here's the <laughs> the, the tribal cards the Krark, like, right. it, it, it the seems cards. like every set that comes out there's like holy cow this card is bonkers and you know Clark tribal you know, you know it there's just something about that um, the way that that deck runs and I think the way that that Wizards is um, authoring new cards for is it that I mean they're just given tons and tons of fuel to to the fire of of that particular deck
0: you know and one 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 deck that i think kind of goes along in that same vein is like orvar um yes. where this is really insane in orvar too um that's man that's wild yeah it's a really good point like though because there, there really is like this weird right say that again low colored spell slinger decks that's
1: where yeah. like, you know you're kind of really looking at a card like this Right. I, I think that I mean, I me personally, I'm interested in trying to see if there's some sort of a a storm deck that maybe can materialize out of some of the things that we've gotten over the past couple of mm-hmm. years. It would it would contain at least is it and and maybe one other color mm-hmm. and um you know, try to do something with I mean, with with this card and a couple of other cards that we'll see, you know, further down. Having thousand year storm out, or you know, casting a mind's desire or fluster right. storm or whatever. Um, there's just a there. There may be a critical mass yeah. of ways to create extremely um, big game ending effects very very quickly. Uh, more an like 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 actual
2: stuff. storm as opposed to just ad into right and, Thor's that's, w- and that's what
1: I'm meaning more more traditional storm. Right. I, I think might be able to be revisited.
0: I will say I I did get the opportunity to to see this card in action yesterday. Um, I was playing some games with uh, Cole for, on the RCEDH server, and uh, he was playing his zombie list uh, that's on the database, and he has this card in there. And I mean, it 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 put in a lot of work in that list, um, being able to tap for a and generate card advantage. Uh, off of just doing what you're going to be doing anyhow. Uh, it, it it was honestly a really, I was really impressed with it in that shell, but I think that goes back to more of what we were saying with the, how in these lower color lists is where you're going to see this. Cause you know, it, there's no reason to run this and you know, like Thrasios and Timna, you've got every advantage or uh, card advantage engine you need.
1: And that said, when, when you're playing a a, a stack based control list, um, Turning every counterspell into a cantrip is is significant. If if even even if that's the extent to which you're exploiting the card,
0: mm-hmm.
1: there's there's still quite a lot that you'll get out of that. If you're you know running thirteen counterspells in your list and you right. want to always have interaction in your hand, it's 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 a, a really interesting card.
2: Yeah. Well, moving I mean, on, just oh, play a fluster storm with that out and uh <laughs> and, nah, right, just become
1: a god right it's, <laughs> Literally it's like going yeah.
0: to super saiyan
1: mode do a fluster storm plus ancestral recall tacked on for you know no reason That oh, seems good it
0: makes me want to play this card right <laughs> <laughs> hey draft a zombie this uh for mlc there you go <laughs> uh, onto another interesting card uh in blue that is uh, coming out here with Strixhaven is a instant called Resculpt. It's one in a blue. It's a uh, common, which is really nice. Uh, and it reads: Exile target artifact or creature. Its controller creates a four-four blue and red elemental creature token. Uh, so this is part of the Prismeri, uh School like card pool. Um, so Cobblepot, you you were kind of talking about how this is a little similar to Pongify before the show. Right. Um, you know how, how do you feel about this as, as a
1: comparison to that card i mean two mana is quite a bit more than one mana but it is exactly double believe right. it or not <laughs> so uh what this what this what this has is it you're, you're you're trading one extra mana to be able to uh have an exile effect so it it doesn't come up often but there are rare circumstances where, you know, destroy effects aren't enough to maybe remove the creature that you're you're t- trying to get rid of. Um, this, you know, do- doesn't have that issue. There's kind of more permanence for exiling a target uh, if it's something that pe- that is really important for someone's game plan. Uh, so, for instance, like a dockside extortionist or, you know, if someone's got reanimation in their, in their list and they're wanting to, you know, uh, they're okay with losing some of their creatures because they'll be able to either Underworld Breach them back or, you know, reanimate them or something like that. The, you know, exile effects traditionally are, are stronger. Um, that said, do we really need, uh, you know, a two-mana creature only effect when we, you know, a lot of lists are already going to have access to sorts to Plowshares? Um, I, I, I don't know if it, if, if it has quite what it needs to unseat even Pongify rapid hybridization, just because... I mean, we we barely play those right now, right? Right. And that's that's my point, is there, there, there's not, I don't think, a, a, a need for it. Um, and even if there was a need, I don't think it would unseat the already kind of deep uh, resources that we have there. Because, I mean, I don't think I've ever seen a list that had both Pongify and rapid hybridization. And I don't think that this is going to unseat either of those.
2: Yeah, I don't know if I agree with that. I mean, like people are playing a braid, for example, right? And this is essentially a braid in terms of its flexibility with the downside Mm -hmm. of creating a 4-4. Oh, because Um, it hits
1: artifacts. I'm sorry, I'm, I'm neglecting that.
2: Yeah, the fact that it hits artifacts changes the entire equation, right? Yes, it does. I missed that because otherwise it's just strictly worse pongify <laughs> like uh well i guess not strictly worse because excel as you as you were talking about is is super relevant to a lot of it's situations. slightly worse yeah but uh the fact that it hits artifacts is actually pretty it's enormous <laughs> it's a blue card um and right. i mean that's like a whole can of worms in and of itself but uh you know it, it hits artifacts and creatures so it's pretty flexible in that respect you know comparable to something like a braid um and then you know, we can really just talk about the downside of the four-four. Uh, I think it's a pretty interesting downside. There's a good number of decks that don't wanna be handing out four-fours, um, <laughs> that might want to be playing this. You know, for example, like your turbo noise style deck, stuff like that. But, mm-hmm. you know, on, on the sort of other hand, um, you know, you, you can use this kind of like you would use Pongify and rapid rapid hybridization at times to give yourself a four-four. So, you know, there's like Sort of multiple angles to this card that I think makes it really interesting, uh, and I do think that this card ends up becoming uh, a strong consideration for a good number of decks.
1: Right, a four four is is different than a three three in that it will survive combat with I think most everything in mm-hmm. in the meta game. I mean the main the main thing I'm thinking of is Najila. It'll 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 block and kill Najila and survive.
2: Right. Um, and in multiplayer, giving people 4-4s four like that can potentially, I mean, it can hurt you, right? In the sense that you're going to take damage. Mm-hmm. But imagine you cast this card in the middle of combat when somebody swings with their Nagila, hit somebody's Null Rod and give them a 4-4 four four that they can block the Nagila with, right? Like, right. you know, that that is a lot of value, even if you're going to end up losing 4 life sort of later down the line.
0: I, I actually really like the, the comparison of this to a braid. Actually, yeah. the more I think about it, this really does feel like a blue braid to me. Um, yeah, but not limited to three toughness. Right, right. <laughs> yeah, no, I this is, that's an interesting way of thinking about it. As I was already kind of like looking at this and going, eh, like came in and hawn over it. Uh, and like, do I even put this in the maybe board of like Lavinia stuff? Um, and I don't know. It's interesting for the I case really, of a braid it,
1: for the case of a braid. What what are the artifacts that are problem artifacts that people need I to mean, get a rod? No rod for sure. Um, yeah,
2: null rods, fear effects occasionally. Um, you know, theoretically, sometimes you need to hit like a torpor or something. Uh, there's yeah. a, a few others. But uh, I mean, obviously, like you have like big artifact targets, but a lot of them don't see a ton of ton of play. Um, and, right. and then just being able to hit random things like basalt monolith out of like a random and deck can be useful too. Right. Um, you know, artifact removal is very, very powerful. Uh, creature removal is increasingly powerful. Staple them together and you get very flexible removal. Um, and you know, stick it in blue and you've got a card that I would say probably shouldn't exist,
0: but you know, here we are and we can talk about it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's interesting. I I, man, I don't know if this will see play or not, or if it's worth trying, but um, it's certainly an intriguing card. Um, Our next card is also a very intriguing card, and I put in our show notes that every time I read this card, it just continues to get better um, is uh, Plum the Forbidden, uh, which is a one colorless and black instant spell. That says as an additional cost to cast the spell, you may sacrifice one or more creatures. When you do, copy this spell for each creature's sacrifice this way. And then the spell reads, you draw a card and you lose one life. So <laughs> um that's a good card. Um Pongo. Uh right, because right? Yeah, it's Come on Pongo. Pongo now. Okay. Mm-hmm. So Pongo, when we're we're looking at this card, uh Tell me what you think about it. All right. So
2: one important thing to realize about this card, first of all, is that you don't actually have to sacrifice any creatures. Um, Mm -hmm. If you don't sacrifice any creatures, then for two mana, you draw a card and lose a life at instant speed, Um, which is not a good card. But, you know, that's not what we're here for. Um, (laughs) When you sacrifice one creature, you get to subsequently draw two cards and lose two life because you're going to copy this spell one time. Um, If I'm being honest with you for the decks that I play, I'm not the biggest fan. Um, You know, like obviously like Najila comes to mind um, and I would probably be playing something like skull clamp over this um, just because drawing two cards for the one mana uh, feels a little bit stronger. Um, and, and kind of being able to like do that repeatedly, uh, over multiple turns and not have to like commit all in one shot, everything, uh, is also relevant. Not losing life is pretty relevant. Um, but this card is certainly interesting. Um, you know, I, I could definitely imagine it seeing play perhaps in, uh, you know, some kind of maybe like token based strategy or like in like a black, green, uh, maybe black, green, red deck that really cares a lot about like sacrificing things uh, for potential value. Um, The issue is that there's generally more like high value things you can be doing sacrificing your fodder. So I'm not convinced that this is going to see a ton of play, but it's a really interesting card uh, and I I like the design quite a bit.
1: I would agree. I think that it, it is a cool design. Um, I like the fact that the, that the, the number of, of creatures that you feed to it creates copies of it and, um, it makes it more difficult for opponents to interact with because it, you know, it, it effectively is kind of, you know, um, you know, manual do it yourself storm basically, because you're basically storming for rather than the number of spells you've cast, it's the number of creatures that you sacrificed and you're putting that many copies onto the stack, which then means that somebody either fluster storms it or you're going to be drawing the cards. So it, it, it has that interesting quality to it rather than having kind of one point of interaction where one, one counter spell will, you know, cause you to, to, to lose your investment. Um, mm-hmm. that, that said, I think I agree with Pongo that, I mean, you know, Skullclamp, For sure, is 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 a more powerful uh, way to extract value from your 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 tokens. I I don't know is is there really a strong non Najila token strategy in the metagame at the moment?
2: Well, one that also comes to mind would be like Tevesh Zod, but Tevesh
1: Zod would prefer to just sacrifice his tokens for himself. Right. <laughs> that's mm-hmm, exactly, and and I don't even really feel like Tevisat qualifies as like a token strategy. No, because you know it's it. Yeah, he's going to generate two tokens and you know do stuff with it from here here and there. But you know, th- there's not something that's trying to what the way, the way Najila is, for instance. You know, trying to create tens or you know twenties of, of of tokens and, and swarm the board. I, I I don't know if there's. I mean. Maybe Orvar, but Orvar doesn't have access to this card. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, I think that it's it's a really cool design that I don't think has a home yet. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know. I think it's interesting. I my thought is,
0: it feels like a card that in Najila has the potential to be. A two mana ad nauseum, um. But I don't know. You you all bring me, up really valid me. points, and I, I, mean, I don't mean, for it to be close to ad nauseum, you need to have like you know twenty, 20 tokens, tokens out, and at this point you've already kind of got the game one. Yeah, right.
1: But, but I mean, so, even if
0: even if you get the value of say you have ten out. And you're, you're real close. You just need those extra few cards. I mean, two, I, I don't know. I, I'm probably an over-evaluating this card.
1: You, you might be a little bit, but I mean, it's, it, it doesn't make it a bad card. It, it has really interesting qualities that I, I think if, if, you know, when the, the circumstances arise that a non najila token strategy kind of exists in the metagame it mm-hmm. it would certainly be a consideration right because it it absolutely is a a, a powerful and cheap i mean when if we're going to compare it to skull clamp you know you 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 the amount of mana that you're going to spend is going to be proportional to the number of creatures you're sacrificing right. whereas this is a a static you know you spend two mana and then just sacrifice all the things and then draw all the cards it it does have some 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 very powerful qualities. I just don't think that it has the home just yet.
2: Yeah, I mean, imagine we get a commander like Endric Czar, right? It's like Yes. You know, let's say it's like whenever you cast a non-creature spell instead of a creature spell, you get X11s one, uh tokens. <laughs> like then this card probably pretty quickly does become two mana ad nauseum, right? So like, right. I mean, I think
1: there, there already is, isn't there already there? There was a card printed in this set that has Magecraft for creating a one, one token. Doesn't it? Is Every it time a, you copy a legendary card though, maybe I, uh, we'll I don't to.
0: think it's in the colors either. Um, cause I feel like the token creation is like blue greens thing in this set. Right. right. It was, um, I thought it had
1: black. Eh,
2: anyway
0: i don't know it could be anyhow black, could be black green right that would make right. sense as well that's for true one ones. yeah that could that, that would also make sense um Anyways. but yeah it, it's an interesting card um i i am excited to see what can come from it potentially um next card up on our list as we move over into red not a lot of black uh this time around that is really worth mentioning um is conspiracy theorist it is a uh creature that is cost one and a red it's a 2-2 that says whenever conspiracy theorist attacks you may pay one and discard a card if you do draw a card whenever you discard one or more non-land cards you may exile one of them from your graveyard if you do you may cast it this turn uh so cobble there's a lot of things with this card uh that come to mind and it's very reminiscent of some, some other cards from magic's history that we are familiar with. Um, what are your kind of thoughts on conspiracy theorist?
1: This card feels very much to me like the next kind of iteration of what, what I'll call the red bobs. Um, I, uh, the the Robin hood character Robber that, of the rich. That we, yeah. Yeah, Robber mm-hmm. of the Rich. There, there's, there's kind of, it, it seems like there's this sequence of, of of, Bob lookalikes that they're trying to do in red that cost two, that through, you know, some, some hoops allow you to, <laughs> to, to gain card advantage each turn, um, basically like a Bob, but rather than, you know, paying life for it, you are, you know, exiling the card and you have to make use of it while it's exiled or you lose it, that kind of thing. So in in this particular case you on your turn you attack with this creature you pay the one and you discard a card and it triggers itself so well now you can exile that card and still get to use it this turn but you got to use it this turn and then you get to draw something else so it's 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 not as good as a bob would be because it's not allowing you to just accumulate the cards in hand it's it's allowing you to see more cards and still be able to potentially cast them, but you're not accumulating the, the cards over time. Th- now, the discard ability or the you know the interaction, the trigger that it has when you do discard cards that you know triggers any time you discard. So it doesn't just it, it's not just one of those situations where you can only extract the that value when you attack with it. So it's, it's an interesting design in that sense. Um, that said, I think it's hard to, it's hard to exploit. So the, I think somebody, when this first got printed, somebody kind of pinged me and said, Hey, is this something that would fit well with shadow bag? You know, where, you know, you're doing stuff with bone miser or, you know, doing things with, you know, shadow of the grave and, and, and so on. And I, I feel like it really doesn't um, because what, what, what that engine wants to do is it wants to discard cards to draw more cards, but then have access to the cards that it discarded to get them back again so that it can discard them again. So you, you want to kind of through repetition be discarding your cards so that you can you know, get, get reuse from them. If you're allowing him to trigger and exile those cards and say, well, now you it's basically like you're drawing those cards. It's like, yes, you do have access to them, but now you can't reuse them to dig deeper. So, right. un- unless you have a-, a really strong draw engine that is, you know, somehow like, um, uh, like Anya, where you're uh, doing like madness cards and stuff like that, this, this, then then this winds up, I think, having some some legs in in that circumstance where you're, you know, discarding. Madness cards, which allow you to untap Anya, and then you can, you know, keep on, keep on doing that without actually losing access to those cards that you're discarding. So it's like straight draw, then then it's 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 a really powerful ability. But outside of 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 that specific engine, I don't know if it's if it's got anything great. Like so for instance, you can it interacts with necropotence. So in the same way that Bag of Holding interacts with Necropotence, you've got two competing exile triggers. You can choose mm-hmm. which one you want to allow to exile. Uh, you can do the same thing here. You've got a Necropotence in play. If something would cause you to discard a card, then you can have this guy eat that card instead, and then you can cast it. But, I mean...
0: Which one would you rather have? The one that you can get back in three turns or the one
1: that goes away at the end of the turn? Um. Probably the one you can get it back. <laughs> I, yep. Survey says that's, that's probably the one that you want to do. But um, I, I don't know. I, I, I think this, 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 this fits well with, with, with Anja, um, but I don't know if that's really a deck that, that people play anymore. Um, I, I think it's a cool card. Again, it's, it, this, is, this is not the, the card that's going to make Shadowbag a um, commanding presence in the metagame for sure.
0: Not, not to, not to, not to name drop again. Mm-hmm. There's a pretty high likelihood that Anjay uh, gets played this summer in Major League Commander. <laughs> Probably. There's hundred and I mean, at least thirty-eight decks. Yeah. On, <laughs> yeah, for at least one game. There's hundred thirty-eight decks, and people they're going to draft hundred twenty-eight of them. So there's a pretty high likelihood you'll see some of these decks on the database.
1: Right. That we're and, like, ah, oh, that this does is- doesn't get played. This card is a good slot for that deck, but I think that that deck is the only one where this yeah. winds up being, being good.
0: So if you're one of the 32 people playing in uh, mm-hmm. uh, Major League Commander and you're listening to this, uh, there you go. Uh, that is a card to consider, Conspiracy Theorist. Uh, Moving on down the list to another red card. There's a handful of red cards this year that we're actually. uh, There's always a handful
1: of red cards. There's always
0: a handful of red cards. It's true. But this this time around, there's a handful that a varying quality um, this time. Uh, This one is pretty good. Uh, It's called Vermin Mastery. It's a sorcery that costs three colorless and two red that says you may pay two colorless and two red rather than pay the spell's mana cost. if. The two colorless and two red cost was paid opponent discards any number of cards, then draws that many cards. Now, if you did pay the, the five mana cost, search your library for up to three cards, put them into your hand, shuffle, then discard three cards at random.
1: Um, Just to clarify that, that last part that you, you read, uh, will is, is, is the effect of the card and it doesn't matter how much you paid for it. So, whether Uh-oh, you paid really yeah
0: whether you paid four or
1: five oh, you always wow. get
2: that yeah that, that's what the card does
0: holy cow okay never mind i completely misunderstand how misunderstood how these cards work and these got infinitely better to me all of a sudden right. wow that's great
1: right so um, you either pay for it for a cheaper price and let your opponent do something or you pay the more expensive price and you just get the effect of the card
0: right wow that's interesting okay So Pongo, how do you what what do you what do you think of fervent mastery? Well, I don't think I'm as quite as excited about it as you
2: seem to be. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So I think at four mana, that is actually a pretty significant downside uh, or potential downside. Um, Like letting an opponent effectively loot any number of Mm -hmm. cards that they want Uh, in some matchups can be a like huge huge liability um and then in other matchups is just like they get the opportunity to improve their card quality quite a bit uh so it's still a downside and it's still a pretty significant downside even if it's not like quite as bad as it would be in in you know the other case um as for the actual effect you know triple gamble as this is essentially uh is pretty strong um at 5 mana i'm not sure that it's quite there for you know like your 3 plus color decks um but in like low color red decks i i don't hate this at all i think uh you know those decks are pretty happy to get a, additional tutor support um mm-hmm. especially if they're doing like breach type stuff and like can actually leverage graveyard value this seems pretty decent um but yeah i think uh at 5 mana it just doesn't scale well into against like the options that a lot of uh, other decks have and doesn't compare especially well to something like intuition being a three mana blue instant. Um, you know, it doesn't quite telegraph your line nearly as hard as this does potentially. Um, right. So, yeah.
1: So yeah, it's red is, you know, notoriously poor, uh, in its, in its tutor quality. So if you're in mono red, then there's certainly, um, I, I would say, you know, compromises that people have to make to admit, you know, their, uh, to, to increase the number of, of, of tutors that they have they 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 take on, uh, liabilities in, in, in many cases, uh, a lot of times in, in the mana cost. So, uh, one of the things that, that mitigates that a little bit for the, the four mana version of this spell is that you get to choose the, the opponent. So if you have an opponent that is hellbent or, you know, only has one or two cards in hand or something like that, then, um, the downside of letting them, you know, loot as many cards as they want is, is it's going to be lower than if all of your opponents are all sitting at seven cards. Right. Sure. Right. Um, and but the the fact that you have the flexibility of being able to choose based on the game state, you know, if you've got all of your opponents at seven, then well, you pay the full full cost for it. Um, again, is, is is this a good a good rate for that? I I, I would say maybe not. Um, but then again, if you're you're in mono red, then you kind of take what you can get.
2: Yeah, even even blue red decks don't really have a ton of ton of options. And I think yeah. that this ends up being
1: potentially a lot more interesting in, in blue red. I, mean, kinda, I, I I think that that white red, um, yeah, you know, I was about just to yeah. that. because you can you can because assemble LED underworld breach and savings reclamation. Um, it's it's basically the things that you would intuition for, mm-hmm. but you know without having access to blue. Um, if if you know you're in, is it? Then I think you just do intuition. Then, uh, I mean, as opposed yeah. to this,
2: you're you're still I think pretty low in terms of like functional density of that effect. Such that something this like this feels potentially playable, just to uh, get the redundancy. Yep,
0: I
1: think I, it's
2: a, I
0: think it's a decent card. <laughs> I, I I'm mean, give my, it a, my, a solid B. My whole thought on it is, it feels all right in decks that um, are low color and also have some thief effects in them. Um, yeah, that was my so, thought. <laughs>
1: Right. If you yeah, got a whole I, breacher I, I, in play, this card gets a lot better. Right. I mean, it's, they discard
2: no cards, but, you know, yeah. at least. In, yeah, I the mean, you just for paid one mana. less. Yeah, yeah
0: exactly. It, it's it, it. There's just layers to it that I I like Um. It, obviously, my reaction's probably a little bit higher uh, a moment ago than what you know, reality is. It's just like me realizing it's like, oh, you're not paying for and then making somebody else do that. I was like, why the hell would you do that? Um, I don't know why I thought that, but you know, there's like a similar
2: mechanic in the commander decks um, where it's like, you can copy the spell and your opponent, one opponent also gets to copy it. So maybe you have that in mind. Yeah. Demonstrate. We're not going to be talking about any of the commander cards today worth mentioning, but, uh, but maybe you had that in mind, Callahan.
0: Yeah, maybe, I don't know. I, I I don't know what I was thinking. Um, Anyhow, um, to our next card. It is Storm Kiln Artist. Sorry, I couldn't see the second word there. Um, it is a, a creature that's a two-two that costs three colorless in a red. Uh, that reads Storm Kiln Artist gets plus one plus O oh for each artifact you control. Also has Magecraft that says whenever you cast or copy an instant or sorcery spell, create a treasure token. Uh, so. Automatically the first thing you kind of see this is it's like, oh, this generates some mana. So what are your thoughts on this uh cobble and where it might
1: land? So this is this is one of the other cards that we were talking about that fits into the 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 Kirk and Sakashima segment of 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 the set. So this is you know, Magecraft. It's it's triggering when you cast instants and sorceries, but also when you copy them. So uh this is going to be triggering all the time in, in Kark and Sakashima, which is, I, I, I wouldn't say not, maybe not as good as that other one, the Emeritus, the Archmage Emeritus, um, just because mm-hmm. it's, it's not, it's not creating card advantage, but it is powering out the, you know, it's, it's allowing you to cast your spells um, again and again and again. Which, uh, if you're not familiar with the Clark tribal lists, the the idea is that you know you you it it very much needs a ritual in order right. to kind of take off because it needs to be able to you know cast a spell and net mana in order to keep going. Um, in the, in this particular case, this guy being on the battlefield will. Um, Eliminate the requirement of needing to have a ritual in hand. And just having a a cantrip will basically allow you to if you've got this guy in a cantrip and you've got a couple of quirks then your game is won. Because Great. for every copy you get, you're making a treasure token, which means that's going to cover the cantrip being cast again. And it's it's just going to give you the, the mana solvency you're going to need to, you know, just do what you want to do. All of that said. Um, outside of Kirk, I I, I think that we think about this similarly to the way we were thinking about that Archmage Emeritus where you know if you're if you're in if if there's a list that is a spell slinging you know according to Hoyle storm list that's playing things that are actually that have the word storm on them (laughs) and uh, or you know thousand year storm or you know those types of things um, this gets you know absolutely out of control uh very very quickly you know someone you you cast a fluster storm and you you know get five five plus treasures out of casting a fluster storm i think that's that's a pretty good rate it's not the same thing as drawing five cards from a fluster storm um but it's it's still it's it's generating a, a a huge amount of of value and um if if you're playing a highly interactive list, you know, having all of your your counter spells, which is kind of the thing that I'm 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 defaulting to as a, where in in evaluating this, if every one of your 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 counter spells is creating a treasure for you, it's not the same thing as as all of those things cantripping, but it's still that's still quite a bit of value. It's it it's the same mana cost as smothering tithe, and it's not going to create as many treasures as smothering tithe is by any stretch. Mm-hmm. Um, but it is, I, I think, uh, in similar vein as to how we would think about how that card is going to behave. Um, I, I think that it's 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 a fun effect, and I mean, yes, this is a windmill slam right into Clark. Elsewhere, I think you have to think about it a little bit more before, I think, making that commitment.
0: Interesting. Um, it'll be really interesting to see where this lands, um, yeah, I, these Magecraft
1: cards in Kark are real funny. Um, it, it may turn out that we're under-evaluating those, and someone winds up devising a storm list, and these things are all insanely powerful. Well, um, so one that of the might things be the case, one of the things that I uh, did kind of think is that, like.
0: I, I w- was thinking specifically in decks that are doing, um, what's it called, uh, dramatic reversal stuff with isochron Scepter. It does. It almost acts as another mana rock because it means that every every soul ring you you only need a soul ring out in order for dramatic reversal. Yeah. You only need soul ring in this out for dramatic reversal to net mana. So there's like a level to it where I think it's actually intriguing on that level, because there is some merit to the thought of this in Archmage Emeritus on the, okay. So if you are in like a storm list, uh, for, uh, with, with, uh, with those cards in it with the, what's why did I just said dramatic reversal? um, and these provide additional outlets for for those that don't need you to be netting mana per activation. Um, and I think that's potentially powerful. I don't know how good it is, uh, but it, it has some merit to at least
1: discuss, right? Like, right. I think yeah. it remains to be seen.
2: Yeah, I'm not necessarily convinced, especially at four mana. Um, I think that, uh, there's a lot of competition obviously for slots these days. And so Mm -hmm. while this effect is very powerful, um, you know, certainly the ceiling is much higher than something like brawl. Um, but like kind of the average of the card is somewhat similar. Uh, the floor is obviously lower, right? Like you might not just be able to cast that card, uh, where brawl might like allow you to cast a certain instant or sorcery just by virtue of actually Mm -hmm giving you a discount um obviously you know if you don't necessarily need that discount in one particular turn you would much rather like gain material on the board sort of to use later um but for twice the mana cost i'm i'm not quite sure that uh it's enough of uh, an advantage you know right, when right. when you f- consider that like you know a lot of your cards are mana anyway <laughs> you're playing right. a ton of well, rituals
0: and, and stuff and that's kind and, of my my kind of thinking, too, to be fair, is like because my immediately I, I immediately think to um, like Siggy's uh, paradox storm list from days of yore uh, where, you know, would it even be worth playing in that with paradox engine out? Right. Like it's and that's where you would see that and these dramatic reversal ice crowd lists have already fallen out of favor. Anyhow. Um, mm-hmm. So, so, so I'm probably just talking out of my ass, but it's just one of those things where I look at it and I go, Oh, well, because I, I, I my brain still hasn't fully come out of like 2017 CEDH. Um because i'm I'm always just like, oh you could do that's an outlet for dramatic reversal, and you know it's just not as much of a thing anymore uh but
1: you know right i think when when comparing this to something like smothering tithe that costs for and people are will, will will tolerate the cost of paying for because of the fact that it's passive and the the value that it's generating is based on the decisions of your opponents and the activity of your opponents rather than your own decisions Mm -hmm. and activity. um, You, you can, you can pay the four because it's going to be generating so much more value in the case of something like this. Well, all of the value that you're going to get from it is, is self-derived. So Mm -hmm. you've got to be on, on your game to, to, to generate that, that value because you're the only one who's going to be creating right. it. So um, the, the mana cost of, of four in, in that case feels much steeper because it's all on you as opposed to being uh, deferred to the activity of your opponents. So yeah. Remains to be seen. Yeah, sorry. I had to answer a question.
0: Um, yeah, I I think it's interesting. Um, I think one of the things that does make it a little bit more intriguing is that first half of it, actually, because uh, the decks that are going to be playing this right are going to be playing probably a fair, like a highly high density of artifacts, I would assume. Um, so it does make a potentially big body. Um so I don't know. There's, there's a lot of things there I could talk about it with. Uh, I think it's an interesting card. Um, probably won't see much play, but uh, it it's fascinating. Uh, the next card on our list, I do think is probably going to see some play. Um, it's uh culling ritual. It's two colorless mana, black and a green. It's a sorcery that says destroy each non land permanent with a mana value two or less. And then you add black or green for each permanent destroyed this way. Uh, so, uh, when we're we're looking at this card, uh, I believe this throwing this one to uh, Pongo. My turn. <laughs> yeah. Um, it, this 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 card has a lot going on, and it's all pretty good stuff. So, uh, kind of let us know how you feel about it. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Great transition there. <laughs> um
2: so I actually think that this card might be like like hot take, I think this might be kind of like the sleeper card of the set. Um yeah. and I've talked about this in a few different places where I feel like this card is actually quite nuts and people are really not talking about it. Um so like obviously This card is particularly strong um, in the context of like, you know, some kind of deck that is going to lean on rituals to power out something. Mm -hmm. Um, And so what you're going to the play pattern that I can imagine for a lot of these decks is that, you know, you have a few rocks in play. You tap your rocks, tap a couple of lands to pay for this. Um, Maybe, you know, tap a land or something, uh, cast it. You know, if it resolves, you blow up all of your rocks, you blow up all of everyone else's rocks, you blow up all of their dorks, 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 you blow up yeah. all of their, you know, the stacks pieces that cost two or less. Um, And then you make a ton of mana and then you just cast like an ad nauseum or you cast appearance of the abyss. Um, So, like, that's pretty wild. Um Obviously, you know, where this could get even more disgusting would have been if it hit things that cost three or less. So it could hit rule of laws. Um, so obviously that's going to be one sort of limitation of the card. Um, but I do still think that it is certainly going to be powerful enough, even missing those cards, uh, just because of the potential burst Mm -hmm. mana that it produces. Uh, you know, I'm somewhat interested in trying it out in Najila just because like you get all those tokens in play and you're hitting everybody else's stuff, you know, you're making a ton, a ton of mana. And if you can fuel that, if you can funnel that into an ad nauseum, that's like pretty wild. Um, You should get there pretty much every time from that point. Uh, I
0: mean, I, I this, this is what gets so wild with this card about to me because it's funny because you say that like people aren't talking about this card, but it's funny because like the circles you and I run in, uh, like like you and I immediately were like, "Holy shit, this card is really good," Um, (laughs) and like. Like every, like the Lavinia Discord saw this card and we were all just like God damn it really, um, <laughs> and, and this I this was waiting card, for
1: a Lavinia mention. Oh yeah, my gosh, I saw this
0: card. I I I have never cried in Azoria so hard. Um, uh, it's this is one of those cards where I like whimsy was like, see, this is why you got to be on Grand Arbiter. Um, but this this card. In my opinion, you look at this because you can, you just imagine with me, come come on a trip with me for a moment where we we, we sit down, your opponent goes land dork pass. Then the next opponent plays like a land, uh, I don't know, plays like a Chrome mox's Sylvan Library. Sure. Next opponent plays a Mister Kremora. Sure. You go to your turn and you, you already have a land and a Mox or not Mox, a Mana Crypt out. You play your next land and you cast this. So you're getting one, two, three, four. You're getting like six mana off of this. That's Adnaz on turn two. Easy.
2: Um, Yeah, it's big ritual potential off of this card. And it's like it doesn't have the uh, dockside problem of like kind of just being a little bit weak if people are playing dork decks. Yeah, (laughs) Like if, if it's an entire dork pod and you're just like a little sad with your dockside that only makes two mana, um, this just scales anyway. Right. Like, right. And it sets everyone back in that respect. Um, you know, it's a little all in, in certain situations, but like in other, I mean, like those decks don't care. Let's just put it that way. Right. Right. Um, you know, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's not unusual for, for decks like that to, to play something. Um, like a reign of filth and sacrifice all their
0: lands right. trying to get there. So this
2: doesn't seem necessarily too uh, out of character for them.
0: And it can unlock you from something that's holding you back from being able to cast a Oz. If you're a Oz player, you're playing against the Lavinia deck, and or you're playing against any deck that's playing an effect. Uh, let's say you're going up against a Dranith, for instance. This isn't just a ritual. It's also a pseudo board wipe. And so like there's there's just like all those different pieces to that. In my opinion, you look at that. The fact that it's the board wipe and ritual
1: stapled together is just really good. I will so gladly play this against (laughs) Najila. Oh, no.
2: (laughs) See, that's what I'm afraid of. I should definitely have kept this card. uh, All right. I should
1: have definitely said this card is trash. Um, yeah, I, I think the secret was was already out. So this 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 has, has it has lower variance, like you were saying, than Dockside. because depending on the table texture, you know, sometimes doxide is just crazy, and sometimes it's it's just not as good depending on the the, the list that you're playing against. This there's always you I think that in general, it it's going to trend higher mm-hmm. than doxide will as far as the, the mana that it's netting you. Now, you don't get to keep it. You got to use it right away. Um, but, I mean, if, if somebody said, here, would you play a, a Dockside Extortionist that destroys all, all permanents that are two mana or less on the battlefield? I mean, like that, that's, that seems pretty good. Um, and to, to your point, Callahan, it's, it, the fact that it has the utility Of acting as not Mm -hmm. just a ritual, but as removal. I mean, there there are going to be circumstances where, you know, okay, sure. Um, you you need to you need to do something about the the Najila player who's who's getting out of hand. Or Mm -hmm. there's you know, some permanent that is that that's causing problems on the board, like the your Dranath Magistrate, or you know the casting this without without a requisite follow-up, isn't always going to be wrong. You know, using it just for its removal capability without following it up with, you know, another play after that. Right. Um, it, it's, it's got that flexibility. And I think is uh, it, th- it plays to the value and the power of the card. Mm-hmm. So yeah. I, I think that it's, it's, it's really, really good. And people are, are definitely low-balling their their assessments of it, just because I I haven't seen people in the CED in the CEDH echelons talking about it all that much.
0: Well, and it, that's that's a whole different discussion. Is the undervalue of removal in CEDH at the moment? Uh, but that's a podcast unto itself. Um, <laughs> uh, next uh, card up on the uh, list here is solve the equation. It is, uh, I guess we're going back to blue here, real quick. Is a two colorless and a blue uh, sorcery. You guys are changing my so- show notes somebody, in the middle of the somebody
1: show. Somebody ninja edited um, this, the show notes. Pongo, was that you?
0: Uh, that may have been me. Yeah. I, 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 right I in looked at the,
1: the, the show notes.
2: Show and I go down and I'm like, what the hell? And I was like, wait, we have to talk about this card. There's a few others.
0: Yeah. That, uh, uh, solve, solve the equation. It's a two. It's a three. three mana. It costs two colorless and a blue sorcery search your library for an instant sorcery card or feel it, put it in your hand. I mean, this is, uh, it's idyllic tutor, idyllic for, tutor for instant sorceries. Right.
1: Yeah. Um, Pongo, you're the one who, who ninja, ninja edited it. that in there. So you can talk about it.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Real quick. I think, uh, you know, this card needed to be mentioned, not because it's like new format staple or anything for high color decks or anything, but mostly because again, it, it's like a new option for lower color decks. It's, uh, it's a, Card type that is like way more relevant than uh enchantments, I would think, is mm-hmm. and in particular like four blue decks, uh looking for an instance or sorcery is very, very powerful. Um, you know, in theory, I could actually even potentially see this seeing play in like, you know, like ad nauseum style decks where, you know, like those have played three mana tutors in the past, and this is just, you know, another three mana tutor that you can play to find ad nauseum or peer into the abyss. Um You know, three mana is, like, not great, but, you know, we we don't get new tutors all that often. And this one, you know, is very strong, I think. Um, You know, like, Spellseeker is a playable card, and it finds instants and sorceries that only cost two or less. This one does not care about the mana cost. It doesn't leave behind a body, but, um, you know, for a good number of decks that's not incredibly relevant you know, it's not the end of the world. It's just you just want the extra tutor, um, and so this is, you know, certainly more powerful along along one axis. So I definitely think this card is going to see play one hundred percent.
1: What um, lists do you see? Yeah, I want to hear what lists you think. Right, having yeah. the, the the need to to slot it in.
2: So I mean, like theoretically, like Kinnan could potentially be interested in this. <clears throat> mm-hmm. um, Urza, I could definitely see playing this um i could see like i was saying even before you know theoretically there's a world where um you know like sort of like turbo ad nauseum style decks play it um just like looking for you know another copy of intuition or looking for another copy of uh, pure into the abyss and ad nauseum so you know i think that the comparison to spell seeker is one that's worth making and worth pointing out Because spellseeker is like an obvious format staple, I think no one would Mm -hmm. disagree with that. Um,
1: You know, I think it is though because of the fact that it's a creature. Being a creature is super relevant, yeah,
2: like that's for sure. Um, And I would think that a lot of the and I in saying that, you know, it's important to point out that a lot of the decks that play spellseeker play it because they can use it to convert creature tutors into instants and sorceries. But uh, you know, I, I think that um you know this just another two-hand tutor for instance and sorceries is certainly something that decks there there are decks out there that that want this um and while i'm not 100 percent convinced that we're going to see it in like the high color decks even the ones that yeah. really really want to find uh very particular instance and sorceries i do think that lower color decks are pretty happy to have this
0: believe it or not okay we're not playing this in Lavinia. oh my goodness <laughs> i mean it's it just we don't have good targets for it yeah and what are we gonna go get like another fluster storm right that's, that's kind of where i'm at with it as i look at it and i'm like i mean i mean i guess it's fine It's right. just no you,
2: you need a like a pretty important instance or sorcery sort yeah. of payoff for your deck before you're gonna play this you're not gonna play it just to find you know a counter spell um potentially not even just to find a draw spell, you'll, you'll play another draw spell, but like, you know, Kinnan for example, um, could use this to find an artifact tutor, uh, an outlet for sort of infinite colorless mana, uh, in something like, a yeah, Turk of genius, um, a bounce spell. If it, you know, the deck needs to answer a stacks piece, something like that. Right. It's just important redundancy for a wide variety of effects.
0: Actually, it actually seems really strong in Urza the more I think about it um yeah for the same reasons right because yeah theoretically you might want to find dramatic
2: reversal um you know theoretically you might want to find like a polymorph type effect um you know i mean maybe like three color nozzleists are interested i don't know um, I, I think you know like when there's a tutor that is somewhat reasonably costed and finds mm-hmm. like a card type that is like actually relevant um you know, there's definitely a deck out there for it right. uh, or a deck that is looking for it. And so I wanted to at least bring up solve the equations so that uh, we could have this little discussion about it.
0: Sure. Fair enough. Uh, next card up on our list is a card that uh, our good friend rebel did do a video on Uh is called Cas Kasmina Enema sage. It's a planeswalker that costs three it's one colorless what with. did you
1: say enema sage <laughs> <laughs> did you know what I mean? that's what yeah. i heard yeah it's, oh, I, I heard that too that's that's i mean that that's definitely a much hotter name than enigma sage <laughs> but,
0: <you know. laughs> enigma sage jesus christ
1: <laughs> that's like adds a whole new level level of fl- flavor you know if it's a sage just kind of Anyway. That's like the
0: second card today I've read and just like <laughs> well, now, now we're going to discuss if
2: this card is in fact poop or not.
0: <laughs> wow. Uh, it it, it caused one colorless green and a blue. Uh, it's a planeswalker that says each other planeswalker you control has the loyalty abilities of Kazmina Enigma sage uh, in its abilities are plus two. That's a scribe one uh, minus X let's just create a zero zero green and blue fractal creature token put x plus one plus one counters on it and this is the big one minus eight search your library for an instant or sorcery card that shares a color with this planeswalker uh exile that card then shuffle you may cast that card without paying its cost so it's a good card um and uh so like I said rebel did do a video with it and so cobble you've been on the Tevish thrasios the Soul Tide Tevish uh thing i've seen you posted on twitter about it um you know w- what are your thoughts on this card and how it plays into that Tevish sot uh deck and yeah,
1: it's 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 a it's a really really interesting design i don't i don't think you know you when people look at this, I think the first thing that it will make them think of is the uh, nickel Bolas that had mm-hmm. the uh, you know, the loyalty abilities of the other planeswalkers that you control. Um, this is kind of the inverse of that, and it it winds up as as Rebel illustrated really well in, in her video. It, it it creates a lot of really interesting utility for existing Planeswalkers and also just kind of like adds this extra layer of power particularly to Tavesh just because mm-hmm. Tavesh Te- starts off at 4 and very quickly can you know can can reach 8 loyalty um so getting to 8 loyalty is is not a problem and uh with Tavesh if you do the minus 8 well Tavesh has has black in his color identity so you can minus eight and go and find ad nauseum or peer into the abyss and cast it for free. So that is, is really, really strong. Um, just because of the fact that it is, you know, saving you the overhead of, well, first of all, finding the card and casting the card. So -hmm. it's leaving you all of your resources to be be able to protect it. And if you're in salt I mean, you're, you've, you've got all of the, all of the ways to protect it at at your disposal. So, being able to go and search up an ad nauseum and have all of your resources, all of your cards in hand at at the ready to be able to fight through anybody's interaction to stop you from doing that—that's it, it's a, a really really good position to be in.
0: Mm-hmm. Um,
1: but even outside of Tevesh, thing, you know, uh, walkers like like Narset and Ashiok that are from the War of the Spark that were the uncommon. Uh, planeswalkers where they, they didn't have a plus ability. Um, you know, giving them the ability to scry one. Okay. That's nice. But giving them the, the ability to plus regain counters. Yeah. Re- regain their loyalty, loyalty is, 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 is significant because especially in the case, uh, like for Narset, that's, that's a big target. People don't like having Narset on the board and, um, they will use the resources that they have to, to get rid of her, uh, you know, through, through combat. Uh, when necessary and uh, giving her the ability to, to have a uh, plus two ability on, on her, on her loyalty that uh, breaks the, you know, intended design of that Walker and makes it much, much stronger, uh, giving it a lot of staying power.
0: I mean, that's the, that's an extra ability. It's like, that's an
1: extra Narset activation. Oh, for sure. Um, it's, it's one of those things where, Really, when people are playing Narset or playing Ashayok, I mean, they're, they're not really playing those, those, those walkers for their, their loyalty abilities. They're playing them for their statics. So you, you don't really care that, you know, oh, well, I'm spending my time doing this plus two scry ability and I'm not getting access to their others. Um, really, the, the reason you have them is because of their static abilities. You don't really care which of those, those loyalties you're making use of but giving them more staying power to stay on the board to perpetuate those statics is is very significant. Um the the, the other big uh, I I guess uh card that that dovetails well with Kazmina is Teferi, Master of Time. That's the new Teferi that can um activate his loyalty abilities during each player's turns. I mean, and cuz his his clock basically used to be you plus one him on your turn and then you plus one him on each of your opponent's turns and you get him to, what is it? Minus 10 for, for the taking two extra turns.
0: Uh, I, f- I forget. I don't remember
1: off the top of my head. Just I, I, think I don't. It's
0: minus eight,
1: but I might be wrong. Um, anyway, um, being able to plus two on each of your, on every single turn instead of minus plus 10, one. You're right. Yeah. Makes, makes that clock. I mean, well, if it comes back to your, to your turn, you're, you're getting that. That 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 ability. So um, you you just get there and be able to. You're able to take those extra turns much much faster. It it's just there, there's just a lot of really really cool. I mean that that's just what four planeswalkers that we're looking at. And there's 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 mm-hmm. others that we could probably um, also you know you know evaluate. <laughs> Nursa um, Transcendent. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously, I mean that, that would be sweet. That would be wild. Right, so it, it's now. You know, does, is that is that an archetype? Is that is that something that is what we want to be doing in Sultai? I mean, m- maybe because it, it it is still it's it's slower than you know Turbo It's slower than the 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 other decks that are wanting to be on more uh, proactive than interactive strategies. This stuff is kind of you know pushing you into wanting to take a a somewhat slower, more interactive strategy. I think it remains to be seen whether that is, you know, something that the, the, the metagame will tolerate, but, um, I, I don't know. It's again, a a really, really cool design. And I'm, I'm going to be interested to, to, you know, test out some of those interactions. Yeah. This is,
0: that's really interesting. I, I, I'll probably build, some Soul high Tevish Thrasios pile, uh, to play around with us. Um, cause I mean, it seems like my sort of mid range nonsense that I would want to be on. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, yeah. it looks interesting. And, uh, I didn't think about the Teferi master of time, uh, uh, synergy at all until you brought it up, but that's, that's really
2: insane. Yeah. Um, yeah. My, my main concern is that, uh, like all these interactions feel a little bit win more. So I'm not sure that, uh, you know, like it's, it's something you're necessarily going to want to actually be running just because of like, you know, you have to be pretty solidly ahead for all of that to actually kind of come together. I don't think that's
0: true. I don't think that's true.
1: I mean, I, I, I would say for the, the case of Tevish that, you know, being able to activate him twice and then be able to go and find your right. into the abyss and cast it for free. I don't, that's, I, I don't think that that's win more. I mean, I think that's win because I mean, well, I it's, mean, it, it's giving you already cast Tevish Sot and you've already
2: been able to like activate him a few times. Like you could just be generating Tevish Sot value rather than playing Kazmina alongside your Tevish
0: sod, right? So I plus so I do what? Plus 1 Tevish make the two blockers next turn plus 2 and then the turn after that I can activate, right? Like you have to plus uh, 2 twice in a row. So that's, okay. that's creating Tevish it's plus creating the tokens two to create twice. the
2: blockers and then plus 1 to draw cards.
0: Okay, so I plus 2 create the blockers next turn I plus 2 again to scry one. Next turn I'm I'm searching and I mean, you're already playing a mid-range control value strategy anyway. I mean, I I, I think there is something to be said about the undervalue, how people in CEDH tend to undervalue the power of walkers. And I I think this is a card that showcases that power that they have, especially when they run in groups.
2: Well, but Kazmina herself is not very powerful
0: right? Like, well, she makes not. other walkers better. That's is my issue,
2: point. right? So like walkers, you know, you're claiming that they're fairly powerful, but why do I need to play a walker to make my other walkers more powerful along, you know, your line of thinking? You know, Tevich Zod, I mean, is a very need, powerful I, card in and of himself, and I think that why if you do I need get to run, his ultimate, you're going to win almost certainly.
0: Well, Why do I need to run any card that enables, like, An underworld breach then. Like if Underworld Breach is already really good, like why do I need to do anything that enables that then? Is
2: well, I mean, maybe like Underworld Breach isn't that good on its own, right? Like Underworld Breach, when you're you have kind of the shell built around it, becomes pretty decent. But like without the whole brain freeze or like um grinding station type combo, like maybe it, it isn't quite good enough, right? And and I've tried playing breach without brain freeze or a grinding station. Um, Right.
0: And, and I haven't been hugely impressed by it. Right. But Um, that's, that's kind of my point is like, I'm talking about like, you know, we, we talk about, we, we, we talk about like, okay, so we're talking about like a soul tie Walker strategy. And what we're talking about is a card that is very much in the brain freeze uh, the uh the enabler to the other card, um, category here, right? Because like it would be very disingenuous to say that brain freeze is a win more card, but it, it, and what this feels like is if I'm going to be on this strategy that's in these colors, that's utilizing these walkers, um, which is going to automatically put you into some sort of mid range strategy. Um, you are going to benefit from running this card. And I don't think that it's making you win more. I think it's adding a layer to your to your deck that's enabling something that could potentially be a win. Like, especially if my deck is built around all right, I want to get to have a shot out, I want to play mid-range like a mid-range peer strategy, and I get to cast peer into this for free. That's pretty damn good.
2: I mean you're doing it for free well like three turns later as well like you have tevish out for multiple turns and right. you had enough mana to cast tevish so like i don't know it, it just at that point that's what i'm getting at where it feels a little win more if we talk about something like underworld breach it's a much more proactive play just you know you slam underworld breach for two mana and just
0: win at that point
2: um you know you don't have to develop your five drop and then Develop this three drop later. Um, I don't think
0: developing the five drop is that insane anymore. I no, see turn not, one Tevinter right, just all the time.
2: Like that is the plan a good amount of the time. It just feels like certainly you you can't compare an eight mana investment um, that also requires three turns of keeping your permanents in play or keeping at least one of them in play um, to sure. like two mana in Underworld Breach. Sure. And, I mean, you know, yeah. there, there's also like certain amount of blowout potential in the sense that like, you know, imagine you sequence it so that you get your Tevish to eight and you're ready to activate him again. And then you cast your Kazmina because you don't want to like um, necessarily
0: be paying a target on it.
2: Yeah, exactly. And and then let's say Tevish gets like bounced and then you're just stuck with Kazmina in play, um, you know, at four and and, you know, she might get attacked at that point. Um, Or, you know, you have to spend another three turns or four, potentially four turns, like replaying Tevesh to try to get that whole combo going again. And like, meanwhile, Kazmina is not that powerful of a card on her own. Mm -hmm. So I don't know, like, yeah, like the the synergy, if you can pull that off, it's certainly powerful. There's no denying that. It's just that I don't know that um, Tevesh needs that to be
0: that powerful, right? Ramp. I don't know. It'll be interesting. Um, it, it, I, I I get what you're saying, um, but you know we could probably talk in circles on that. You know, <laughs> right? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so wax are, poetic. What'd you say? We could wax poetic. <laughs> uh, <laughs> the next card on our list, or we just is... NMR <laughs> <enema> ourselves <laughs> coming poetic. back to it, yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh uh, <laughs> guys. <laughs> it's a good day. I quit. I quit. <laughs> um, uh next card on our Both list got. is Rush to Rebirth. It's a instant that costs a black and a green that says choose target creature. When that creature dies this turn, search your library for a creature card with lesser mana value, put it onto the battlefield, tapped, then shuffle. Um this is it. Very intriguing card and uh, Pongo, uh, I'm sure you have some thoughts. So uh, what do you think about it? Um, so, you know, when we're looking over the show
2: notes, obviously we're uh, emphasizing here, <laughs> uh, you know, all of the you know, trading your own Timna so that you can, or trading your own Nagila. more importantly in combat. Please block so, it. So that you can, <laughs> so you can get an Oracle or a Dox. And I'm, I'm just like, no, 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 no. What are you, what is this? This feels pointed. Um, <laughs> but obviously, obviously <laughs> I'm, I'm joking around a little bit. Um So I'm not as high on this card as a good number of other people are certainly not as high on it as, as you are Callahan but I do think it's very interesting. And I do think that this is not the type of card that I'm willing to dismiss outright. Um, mm-hmm. and I don't have like, like major, major issues with it necessarily. Well, I, I do have some pretty major issues with it, but, um, uh, you know, I, I don't think that those issues necessarily preclude it from seeing play in CDH. Um, so, you know, what, what do I like about this card? Obviously I like the fact that it's a tutor, uh, and it tutors into play. And it's an instant and it's pretty cheap, you know, coming in at two mana, kind of like Neoform. What do I not like about this card? Um, well, the fact that a creature has to die, that's not always the easiest thing to achieve. Um, I think that, uh, trading in like your Timna or your Najila, casting this, um, you know, it opens you up to a pretty big blowout, um, you know, it's it's not necessarily all that different from Neoforms, so we can kind of like accept that that's probably going to be a reasonable line of play, like a non-zero amount of the time. Um but certainly for Najila, that feels like a little bit iffier. Uh for Timna, it seems like a little less iffy. Um, you know, what I'm not necessarily that big on is the fact that you pretty much need to drop like you need to lose or have die a, a three drop or greater mm-hmm. for this to to be particularly strong um i think that's you know one of neoform's strengths is that you're sacrificing mana dorks uh and and this is this card's relative weakness is that you pretty much always need to sacrifice a three drop uh or greater for it to really do anything um so I don't know that it'll actually see play in decks with like a lot of options just because there's like a lot of small downsides that all kind of add up to it. Not necessarily, I think being better than other options that we have in those colors. Um, you know, like uh, again, like I think it, it isn't trivial, especially over like repeated games to imagine that like people maybe like refrain from blocking your your Timna or your Najila if you're making like an obviously bad attack and they know that you're playing this card. Um so like if you need this card to happen, then like that's kind of iffy. But on the other hand, you know, you can get major value off of like somebody removing somebody else's creature, which is kind of nuts. (laughs) Um so so it's kind of it's it's a cool card. Um I don't know that I'm gonna actually play it, but I'm excited to see people try it. I'm excited to see if it is in fact Better than I am uh, making it out to sound because it, it, it could be. Um, I like it a little bit more in decks with uh, with sack outlets, stuff like that, where you can kind of more consistently uh, meet the condition. Um, but uh, but no, it's a it's a cool design. I'm, I'm a fan.
1: I, I really just want to hit one of those vicarious situations where somebody, you know, it does. You know, just a, a a value trade where you know they're they're having combat and they they let their 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 commander die or something like that, or you know their crown dies or something, and you just say, "Oh, wait a minute, hold on, <laughs> um, right. I'm gonna go get my notion thief, or I'm gonna go get my hulbreacher, like or my opposition agent." Somebody
2: like chump blocks with their spell seeker or something just to right. save, and, and you say,
1: life. "Oh, you okay? I'm gonna turn that spell seeker into a dockside. Yeah, and I'm just gonna." Cast Nabnos. Um
2: that's gonna it, happen to me, and I'm never gonna have that opportunity personally. <laughs> so I I, right. I think Yes. <laughs> Perfectly it's, timed distortion.
1: Yeah. <laughs> I think that um they're the metagame right now, we we still need more removal mm-hmm. represented in the metagame. Um Still, you, a lot of the you know the removal that you see is is not removal that causes creatures to die. Um, we still have uh, exile effects or bounce effects, which um, are uh, I would say a significant amount of the removal that's seen. So you know, so yes, someone is going to cast an you know ass trophy at somebody's Najila, and then you'll be able to respond and go and get a dockside out of the deal or something like that, but. I mean, most of the time you're just gonna, I, I think going to either have to telegraph a bad play or, you know, just kind of get lucky where somebody has something that's got enough of a butt to it that, you know, like it's it's, you know, four mana or more for you to go and get something that you really want to go and get. Um, I, I think you really nail it with the tension that this has with something like Neoform or Eldritch Evolution, where being able to go, to increment upwards is very, very much um, more flexible than having to increment downwards. So um, I, I, I think this is one of those things that we're going to have to just kind of see it in the wild for a while mm-hmm, to, mm-hmm. To, to be able to get a better read on if it's really as good as some of the people are feeling like it is or if just kind of the, the 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 shape of the metagame right now with the the creatures that we have seeing play and the amount of removal that we have seeing play um I. E. If, if this doesn't <laughs> right if this just doesn't have the the support that it needs to to yeah. really have a great presence in the metagame
2: yeah all my opponents are gonna have this plus diabol content um and I'm just always gonna have this running <laughs> away in my hand yep. But even oh. when
1: they have that in diabolic intent, they they need to have something that's big enough to support going and finding right. the good point. I mean, yes, you're, you're always you're always going to be almost always going to be able to go and get a dockside out of it if you're in those colors. But the the like the better cards, the things like you know notion thief or things like a hull breacher, you know, something that's giving you a better board presence as a result of the exchange there's not a whole lot of, of of creatures that i that a you know are are in play and b are getting removed
0: <laughs> man there are to, to are be Ikra able to prom players who want to have some words with you right now
1: there are Ikra <laughs> prom players but how often like how often do you see icra eat an <laughs> you assassin's? you never see icra no, on never. the battlefield
2: <laughs> you know they might get bounced and that's like a, a whole other issue with
1: this card is that so much of the removal in the format yeah. is bounce or exile and Right. That was my, that was my, my point is that, you know, it, there's not enough creature dies removal, um, you know, short of stuff, something like, um, oh my goodness, uh, toxic deluge, you know, something like that. And that's kind of it. So anyway, we'll, we'll have to see. Yeah. It's interesting. I'm interested
0: to see if like Hulk and reanimators hype decks do anything with this, but. Um, onto our next card, we've got, uh, another Golgari card, or
1: excuse me, what's,
0: what's this, what's this called? Witherbloom is what it's called. That's no, Golgari. Okay. Um, <laughs> there's no longer boros though. It's a lore hold. Um, <laughs> and, uh, so Witherbloom apprentice, it's a black and a green, uh, creature that's two, two that has a mage craft that says whenever you cast or copy an instant or sorcery spell, Each opponent loses one life and you gain one life. So cobble. Yep. Uh, This uh, combos with a very particular chain spell. Um, Yes. So tell us about uh, kind of that and what
1: you think on it. So this is, this is a card that people definitely in, in casual echelons are, are getting real excited about. Mm -hmm. Um, just because it's a a plus b combo that kind of wins on the spot and people in some places are comparing it to oracle consultation because it's a two mana creature plus a two mana spell and wins from any board board state i i i don't think that this is <laughs> <laughs> quite not quite co- it's not quite the same level um and the, the reason for that is when you're when you're looking at oracle plus consult first of all uh, the, the the surface area is 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 more narrow so when you have your con- when you have your oracle come in, come into play if people remove the oracle you can still get your combo because it's an, an etb so you you really really don't care about people having removal to be able to interact with it in this particular case you really do care <laughs> about people having removal, right? Uh, because that will disrupt the combo. And even worse, um, chain of smog—the way that it works, your opponents. So, so you can protect your oracle plus consult with counter magic. in In the case of wither Bl- of, of of this the uh, wither bloom apprentice plus chain of smog, you target yourself with the chain of smog. Discard Mm -hmm. two cards, copy it, discard two more cards, copy it, and you keep on going. Most opponents are going to be able to sustain you doing that a couple of times until you get yourself hellbent. And then once you're hellbent, you don't have any cards in hand anymore. And unless you've got like Underworld Breach in play or something where, you know, you have access to have some way of protecting yourself, your opponents are just going to wait for you Mm -hmm. to be hellbent and then, then they'll counter the chain of smog because you won't be able to do anything with it. Because, you know, the forcing yourself into this hell bent state is a is a, is a significant downside. So, while the the investment, you know, the opportunity is is roughly the same between the two combos, the way that it's going to play out is going to be way different. This is something that I definitely think. Yep in 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 casual. Groups, this is going to be something that's going to be really strong, and people are going to be, you know, well, you did it, you you got that combo. Okay, we'll we'll do a new game. Um, In in competitive, people are just going to say, okay, go ahead, Mm -hmm. yep, do it again. Okay, now I'll interact with you, and it's just it's not going to see the the success that you're, you know, seeing with with Oracle and Console by any stretch.
0: This combo needs white in order to be like good right it It, so it desperately needs grand abolisher silence or uh, exactly or uh ranger captain in order to really be functional
1: at which point it becomes a three-piece combo right and which which is much less compelling exactly that's all i got to say
2: (laughs) i i definitely agree um you know it's all in, in a similar respect to uh, something like Bomberman combo, you know, oryx Salvagers plus Lion's Eye Diamond. Um, but, you know, I think Lion's Eye Diamond is a better card than either this or ah, Chain, of Smog Chain of Smog in general. Yeah. Um, yeah. Obviously, the downside with Bomberman combos, you need an outlet. That's not insignificant. Uh, you know, I, I do think that this will see play somewhere just because it's quite efficient and it, it's, you know, pretty generic. It can fit into like any Golgari deck. But um, yeah, it, it, it's not without issues.
0: I I, I do I have a hot take time. Oh, um, uh, I I do think that this card not Azorius. No, no, no. Um, I do think this card has the potential to get Chain of Smog banned. Um, and people laughed at me when no. they said that. No, well, hear me out. Um, okay, because people did exactly that. Like, oh no, 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 and. Like, you know, if, if that gets banned, then you have to be in threat or rhetorical and consult. I'm like, eh, I don't know. I agree with that. And mostly because <laughs> of the fact that um, when you look at like the the philosophy, the RC tends to take with their bannings, they're not really concerned about what's necessarily the best thing. Um, but what's the more annoying thing, right? Uh, what's the thing that's causing discomfort within groups the most? um and you know i think cards like um sylvan primordial primetime flash uh uh paradox engine all kind of fit the bill of these are uncomfortable cards that are causing issues within certain communities uh throughout the the um the the format and what what i really think this is going to do is chain of smog is because it doesn't feel like the spiky combo Um, people are going to be playing this and they're going to go, Oh, well this fits in every, every deck. Uh, Chain of Swag is relatively affordable. We're going to grab them and we're going to throw them in our decks. And it's great. A plus B combo. And it's gonna make people really upset um, because people don't like a plus B combos outside of CEDH, generally speaking. Um, And I, 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 could make an argument that I think the RC would see that and see people getting upset to losing to a plus B combos uh, and go, okay, maybe we should ax one of these cards. Um, I'm not saying that it will, but I think that it is not out of the realm of possibilities that chain of Spock gets banned because of this card. I don't see it. I would not be surprised.
2: I, I say, why don't we uh open this one up to the floor, so to speak? you know, commentators, commenters, what do you yeah. think is Callahan completely wrong, or is he just a little wrong? oh okay, <laughs>
1: So there's no I, no any any <laughs> in order. this case in this case, I have great affection for you, my friend, but I think you're, you're <laughs> way off so
0: I just I I don't know. It just feels like one of those things where I mean I don't know. There, there's a lot of cards that I look at the, the the RC bands that I think are may have no reason to be banned and they're banned. And then there's cards that I think should absolutely be banned and they're not banned. And so that's it, it, I that's a
1: whole other discussion. Yeah, I, that it, sounds like a video. It, it,
0: it, it's just mm-hmm. one of those things where if if it if you're If your traditional logic would say this isn't good enough to be banned, you're probably wrong, in my opinion, just because of the fact that the RC does not operate off of traditional logic. Um, And I I love Sheldon. I love those guys. But, um, you know, it's that's just how they want to run it. Um, But anyway, moving on, uh, we've got a new card, uh, new land to talk about. It's called the Biblioplex. It's a colorless land. It types for colorless And also you can uh, has an activate ability for two colorless. You tap it. Look at the top card of your library. If it's an instant or sorcery card, you may reveal it and put it into your hand. If you don't put that card into your hand, you may put it into your graveyard. Activate only if you have exactly zero or seven cards in hand. So this card is doing its best to not be library of Alexandria. Right. Right, Pongo. Oh, yeah. Um, (laughs) I mean, I have to I have to say boo to whoever named this card and didn't give it a library name. Right. I mean, Biblioplex is. is Yeah, But it should have been the library of Strixhaven or something like that. That that's what it should have been named. I guess. I mean, like the the name's fine, in my opinion. But,
2: you know, that's neither here nor there. Um, You know, the, the comparison to Library of Alexandria is very apt um but you know library this is not uh what's interesting <laughs> though is that i feel like being able to activate this when you have zero cards in hand is like in some ways uh going to happen more often in in games right. of cedh than having seven cards in hand uh i actually don't think that library of alexandria is like especially busted in cedh yeah. um you know some people think that it would be like utterly broken um i'm not convinced i think that like you know we're way too incentivized to be jamming like lots of fast mana and card disadvantage Mm -hmm. uh fast mana and we don't have nearly as many um cards that are just like refilling our hand quickly and interactions uh built around like ancestral recall and recurring ancestral recall uh to make sure that we can stay on our library you know not only that we're also not like like playing this one for one game. Um, you know trading one for one with a single opponent and we've got multiple opponents and you can't really fall behind in tempo you know library of alexandria is like a control card it's really a card that's there for like like mirrors between two controlly style decks but you know I'm, i'm kind of like going off on a bit of a tangent here uh this card is not only not library of alexandria i also think it's not particularly good um i think that Looking at the top card of your library instead of drawing a card uh, and only putting it into your hand conditionally, so sort of like a Narset activation a little bit like Planeswalker Narset, um, is a lot worse than drawing a card naturally. Um, It's not going to be incredibly consistent. Um, I think a lot of decks that could conceivably play this probably just want to play like another colored mana source rather than play this you know, for like the very, very few times that they'll be mm-hmm. able to get mana or be able to get value off of it. To say nothing of the fact that it essentially costs three mana to activate instead of one mana to activate, mm-hmm. like Library of Alexandria. Um, In case anyone's wondering, I mean, like, you know, here you pay two mana and tap it. Library of Alexandria is a land that can generate mana. You forego generating mana to tap it to draw a card. So, kind of like costs one mana in a way. Um, yeah. Not much more to say. This card, big no no. Yeah,
1: it it succeeds at not being Library of Alexandria. <laughs> yeah, exactly.
2: It succeeds at not being a card that I'm not even sure would see nearly as much play as uh, some people seem to think.
1: Right. If you want the effect, then you're you're better off with War Room, which one hundred percent. Which is not a a great card in its own right, but is better at doing this mm-hmm. and than, than this. Yeah. I mean, this this is really if like if you've got a metagame where it's saturated with Hull Breacher and Notion Thief and you know that you're going to be hellbent and you need to dig yourself out um, because this doesn't draw cards. So, you know, if if you're hellbent, you can look at the top, you know, you can look at the top of your library and, you know, dig for removal. And if you find the removal, you can put it into your hand without actually drawing so you don't offend the, the, the notion thief or a whole breacher interaction there. Um, but again, like that's a super narrow use case and wouldn't be the type of use case you would have for admitting a card and, you know, committing a slot. So this is just you no. Know, that's all. Gotcha. Um, <laughs> I,
0: I, um, it's interesting. It's that bad card is bad yeah bad card is bad uh onto our last card we've got is a card that uh cobble and i had some spirited debate upon earlier um (laughs) it uh it is wandering archaic it is a modal dual faced card the front side is five colorless mana that's a creature four four that says whenever an opponent casts an instant or sorcery spell they may pay two colorless if they don't you may copy that spell. You may choose new targets for the copy. I'm not even going to read the backside because the backside doesn't matter. Um. So Cobble and I were talking about this a lot, and I've I've had a lot of debate in the Lavinia Discord with people, um, particularly Phoenix, um, about this card and our opinions on it. And I I have a different take than what you have, Cobble. Um. But you know, what what
1: is your assessment of this card, and how do you feel about it? I think that this is a card that is worth investigating mm-hmm. in stacks lists, primarily rule of law, just because rule of law. The, the, before we even get into that, the the first thing that people are going to do when they look at this is they're going to make comparisons to Ristic study because oh, this is a a permissive effect. Mm-hmm. Your opponents are going to have a choice about paying mana or not paying mana when they take an action. And it's a passive kind of a a effect where you're gaining value when your opponents are choosing not to, to pay the, the, the mana. So it's in the same way that Ristic Study creates kind of two forces Mm -hmm. where you have a, a taxing force, that they can choose to accept or not. And then when they choose not to accept that taxing force, then they're giving you value. It, it is five mana, which is definitely more than three. So the, the reason why I say that, that rule of law is, is the place that I think probably makes sense to investigate this is because rule of law is the place where you are tipping the, the 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 value the the individual value the individual impact of your cards mm-hmm. to to be higher because you have the anticipation that you're only getting one spell per turn so you are exploiting the fact that most lists are having you know a very very uh, low you know they're, they're having high efficiency and low individual impact whereas rule of law lists want to have kind of they're expecting everyone's going to have lower efficiency and higher individual impact so you can admit you can you can accommodate having something that costs five or for this type of ability. So why would you want this? okay First of all, we have tutors everywhere in in the metagame and the so you can look at the proposition here so either your opponents pay two more mana for every one of their tutors or, or they give you a copy of that tutor every time they, they do that. Mm-hmm. Um, there's absolutely circumstances when they feel like, I, I mean, most of the time it's just going to make their tutors cost more in, in certain circumstances. If it's like a, you know, a top of library tutor where they think they might be able to do something before you are able to get access to the card or whatever, then they might give you access to it. In either case, that's, that's I, I would say a, a profitable uh, exchange for for the person who controls this creature, right? Um, the the second more impactful case is is for for counter interactions. Um, the way that this works is it's a trigger, so your opponent or some other player. Again, this isn't just between you and an opponent. This is you are kind of vicariously interacting with the rest of the table. So you could have opponent A cast a spell and choose to pay the two and then have opponent B cast a counter spell. And you could say, well, don't, you know, obviously I'm not going to pay for it because now I'll get another copy of that counter and there'll be two counter spells going after that one, one, uh, original spell. If it's the thing that we don't want to have resolve, right. or if you are wanting to not have somebody else's counter spell resolve, you can have your counterspell, your counterspell is going to be on the stack above the original counterspell. So either they pay two more for their counterspells or they accept the fact that you are automatically going to counter their counterspell if it's not something that you wanted to, mm-hmm. to resolve. So it 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 creates a huge amount of turbulence in, in counter wars. Mm-hmm. And then um, the next layer is... Just for the kind of the bigger spells, the the bigger, higher individual impact spells like Ad Nauseam and Peer into the Abyss, they're never ever going to. They're never going to you cast. have a copy of this exactly. So in this case, this is this is a straight, you know, two man attacks mm-hmm. on on those effects. So, um, oh, it also you know, Neoform and Eldritch Evolution as well. Um, those basically they're. If they if they let you have this, you're going to get whichever creature of you know the. So if it's if it's a creature that's going to be for a three CMC creature, for instance, off of a Neoform, you're going to get a copy of 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 that, and you don't have to sacrifice any creatures because you're just making a copy of the spell that's on the stack, and you'll be able to go and find a three CMC creature first. Um, If you've got black, you know, if you've got access to Opposition Agent or you know Hull Breacher or something like that, you getting that thing first is going to be uh significant so most of the time it's just a straight tax of two uh for, for those spells as well so it winds up being what's the uh what's the artifact that costs six god pharaoh statue, a statue. Mm-hmm. in a lot of cases it's a god statue that allows you to kind of vicariously interact with some of these you know counter spells in, in, in interesting ways and also allows you to, you know, vicariously just get some value from cantrips that your opponents are okay with allowing you to have because they don't want to pay three mana for a cantrip or something like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's, it, it has a lot of, of, of really interesting interactions. So as I said, it, do you put this in turbo Nas? No. Um, <laughs> because in a, a turbo list, you want your you want to have a high density of very efficient spells you want you know if if you're, you're you're extremely proactive and you want to be doing a a very fast game then your your individual spells are going to be low individual impact and high efficiency and that's what this is not but rule of law is wanting to play a game that is, that is counter to that, and it can accept the higher investment of, of paying five mana for this effect. Right. Yeah, actually. That's my opinion.
2: Um, Morgan or Spleenface brought this up before, and actually this is something that I've kind of felt for some time, and I think it applies to Ristic Study as well within the context of Rule of Law decks. Um, I think, you know, you just end up paying the tax a lot of the time with your extra mm-hmm. mana, you're only casting one spell per turn anyway, right? So, like, I don't know. I'm very uncertain about this card. I think for five mana, I'm... I think it's a bit steep at five. Yeah, it's a bit steep at five. Um, You can't really, like, necessarily cheat it out or turbo it out in a lot of the same now, ways you might for, like, Godfather's Statue.
0: But, uh, I mean, in its in its defense, being colorless, opens up its accessibility right um in in its defense um i i I don't know i, I have a lot of opinions on this yeah card. it's a very interesting card for sure it i've had to develop a lot of opinions because in developing the we're we're working on the strict update for lavinia primer right now and phoenix and i have a very stark uh Stark opinions on this, where uh, I would say Phoenix is even higher on this card than you are, Cobble, um, and he's 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 wanting to play it in the deck and jam it in, and I'm more towards you know uh, more towards Ponga's end of the spectrum, where to me this feels like a trap card personally, and maybe that's a little hyperbolic, but. What I mean by that is I feel like what's going to happen is in let's because the decks that are going to want to play this are 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 control decks, right? Control stacks decks. And especially, you know, I'll I'll just use a deck that I play literally hundreds of games with Lavinia as an as an example. I know everybody's going to roll their eyes. because Oh, Lavinia. It's the deck that's considering it. Right. Um, And. In that context, here's going to be the issue in my opinion is you're going to spend a bunch of mana to get this out. And what's end up going to happening is what's going to end up happening. Excuse me. Wow. I cannot talk tonight. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But what's going to end up happening is um, one of two things, either one, people are just going to eat their like swallow their, their, their spells and not cast anything. Until they're able to deal with this in some way. Um, and in a lot of times, I could speak from experience as the Lavinia player, a lot of times that is in the form of player removal. <laughs> um, and, or they're going to like pay the tax, which is what Pongo said. And what I think the very likely outcome of this is people just swallowing their spells. And uh, just playing, you know, playing Crom and swinging in your face and you can't block it. Um, and like, there, there, there's something to be said about the fact that this is very good against the NASDAQs, right? Um, because their tools that they're going to have to deal with this are going to be all instants and sorceries. Uh, So you're going to be able to put them off of resources and that is valuable. Is it five mana valuable is my question. And that's where I'm on the fence.
2: Um, It, It is an interesting card though. Like I think we might be undervaluing sort of like some proactive applications of it in the sense that like. Um, I don't know that I actually like this alongside rule of laws for the reasons that I mentioned, but if you kind of think about it as like a defense grid that is also like putting people off of like potentially winning on their own turn because of it's also a tax, um, you know, people are gonna have a hard time interacting with your proactive plays um, because if they can't pay two extra for a counterspell, then you're gonna get a counterspell for their counterspell, right? right so right. so it has that angle which means that you can use it to protect your own sort of like game winning potential big spells right. um and in addition you know you're putting people off of potentially making their big plays instead so right. you know it's it's interesting five mana is a lot though like i don't want to say that it's like a <laughs> turbo mirror breaker because of that right like where you can like get five colorless mana slam it and like you know, then everyone else is kind of like struggling to win where you're going to like go off with protection in a way.
0: It's going to put uh, you in a better
2: position for sure. Yeah. Um, um, but I, I do like it alongside counterspells, like more, much more than I like it alongside other stacks effects. Because again, like it
1: gives, it, it kind of gives like ward two to your counterspells in a way. Yeah. <laughs> I would say that five mana is not as astronomical as I I think a lot of people evaluate it to be, especially in a world where people are routinely playing, you know, very early, I'm not going to say turn one, turn two or whatever, but you know, very early crumbs or very early Tevesh sats and whatnot. The fact that it's colorless mana, uh, makes it all the more easy to be able to play early. And I would say that I, I, in my opinion, With rule of law, I see this in the same way as rule of laws become more powerful in multiples Mm -hmm. because once somebody tries to remove one of them, well, now they're held up from removing more. This, I I feel like, dovetails into that. So if someone wants to remove this and there's a rule of law on the battlefield, well, then that's that's their turn. If someone removes the rule of law, then, well, they still have this to contend with and it's going to be applying... A, a very similar pressure and the fact that it's on a creature that is a four four that's got a good body um i think i'm i'm not and i'm not saying that this is you know a meta warping card or anything like that but i I think it's worth investigation yeah, yeah because yeah. i think it has potential to be
0: can we all take a moment to
1: acknowledge how awful the back side of it is though right <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I didn't. It's so it doesn't bad. have a backside. Nope, its backside just says uh, deckmaster and has five little pips I on just, it. Just the backside is so bad. It's
0: so bad.
1: I mean, oh my like, gosh!
0: It it is
2: still an extra option that you do have, right? And I mean, like I, you I, you I never mean, know. Like
1: it, I could easily I could, see this like, getting there in a game somehow. But I mean, I, if it was an instant, I could understand using it as uh oh our opponent just cast Adnaz quick let's right. give everybody like an oh shit but f- yeah. oh yeah, yeah yeah that would right. be
2: pretty spicy but like yeah
1: god at sorcery
0: no yeah
2: no way <laughs> I'm sorry i, I just mean, you can use it to uh you know in conjunction with a top deck tutor right i guess c- nice you nice cool mana to hand tutor uh uh-huh. You know, all, and your all other and to other say, and the rest
0: of your your, and, and, your all your opponents get to look too. At yeah, the same you time. cross your fingers that they don't find like a free counter
2: magic or counter spell. Yeah, um,
0: you know, like the card
2: is better for having an extra option. It's not worse for having an extra option, however mm-hmm. bad that extra option might be. Right? Sure.
0: I guess I don't know. Um, I I don't know. I it's marginal. I, I, I said I, I said this in our, our show notes, and I, I want to acknowledge that I wrote this because I was feeling very hyperbolic earlier <laughs> when I wrote this. But I said, I will eat my shorts if you ever get to cast anything substantive off this card off of a copy. I I just nobody's going to cast appear into the abyss into this card. Nobody. Well, no, yeah, that's not on. the point. It's right? like, like- <laughs> I. I. That, that's like the thing about it is it's like nobody's going to try to get in a counter war with you with this cards on the battlefield because everybody's going to know like this thing does the thing, right? Like Which they're going to pay the it's two, like, right? I mean, that's yeah. fine. But that's my point is it's, it's going to come down to, they're going to, uh, like I said, I, I, I just, I really think people are just going to sit and eat their cards until or uh, swallow their, their cards until they get to like an unsub or a snap yeah. or something like that. And then, snap it and they're fine with you snapping something else off the battlefield in most cases and just going off anyhow and so it's that's that's kind of how i see it going down i maybe i I would love to be proven wrong because the card is cool as hell Um, yeah i I do think that it's
2: potentially at its best as like a pseudo defense grid slash pseudo like tempo
0: piece right like yeah right i don't know if there was there was something what was it morgan said before we we went on um i don't even remember now he said something really interesting i can't remember that's where i'm at right now listen i i was looking this is our third set review by the way guys uh yeah we've done three of these things together already Mm -hmm. um and we're about to do a
2: fourth pretty soon right
0: yeah next week because commander 2021 yay um and none of our set reviews have been less than two (laughs) two and a half hours long oh my gosh um this is the first one this is the first one that's looking like it's going to clock in under two and a half hours i love it um but yeah i mean do you guys have any any final thoughts before we
1: head out nope tell us what you think about wandering archaic down in the comments below i'd be very interested to see what People's assessments are. Yeah. yeah feel absolutely. free to call
0: me a cynic. Please feel free to <laughs> let me know. Because I probably am just
1: being way too cynical with this. And and tell uh, us if kasmina should be the enema sage <laughs> or, <laughs> the, or the Enigma sage. Yeah.
2: I Rick, just let us know. Enema sage. And, God, and, and I, let us know if we missed anything. I there's a few <laughs> cards, there's a couple of cards I can think of that will certainly see a small amount of play in very, very yeah. specific places. Uh, that we might not have discussed, because uh, we don't want to
0: do three and a half
2: hours. Exactly, <laughs> so. but you know, like marginal sort of cards. You know, th- this set overall is like a little bit lower powered, underwhelming yeah, compared to some sets that we've had recently. But uh, you know that that's okay. I think that it's not a it's not a bad power level. I just think that you know we're kind of on a hedonic treadmill of sorts where you know you get yeah. a ton of really powerful magic sets and then you get one that's a little bit underwhelming, you know, perhaps more of a regression toward the mean in terms of power level and uh and you know it kind of just feels far worse by comparison.
0: I
1: would the color, say the like,
0: is sweet. <laughs> the supplemental stuff in this set is so flipping cool. Like the mystical archive, they knocked that out of the park. Um like both the normal version well I mean they almost knocked it out of the park they kind of waffled on the stolen artwork thing Um,
1: (laughs) I just I I, I have so it blows my mind that that shit can happen Um, I mean that's that's not on wizards that's on that individual artist. but that's a whole other that's that's not the topic that we're talking about here Uh,
0: but no I mean I I, I think the set overall like yeah the power level overall is pretty good but I actually think it's like a knock out of the park uh, from a like full like a holistic point of view like i just went and ordered uh, a set booster today because i mean i'm really excited about it i want to get my hands on mystical archive cards um i want to get my hands on some of these mdfcs and stuff that's coming out in them and uh, i will say you know i haven't been super impressed with some of the stuff i've seen coming out of all of the commander 21 stuff but i don't know it it I'm actually pretty happy with the set. I think it's really exciting. Um, And I'm much more excited for this set than I thought I was going to be when they announced it last year.
2: (laughs) It's going to be great to draft that. I can say already.
0: Yeah, this will be a really fun draft set. Um, What what nobody is prepared for, though, is the fact that Thassa's Oracle and Tainted Pact are going to be legal and historic, baby.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I just can't believe Some, that. Somewhat less good in 60 card. Yeah. It's a little because bit
0: of, less good, but um it's wild to, be to singleton me. is a pretty significant <laughs> it's downside. <a> significant <laughs> in <60 Did laughs> yeah. Just in general, yeah. Did you guys see the tweet I made I think it was last week where it was like um Wizards is like Thassa's Oracle, tree and uh Tina Pact will be legal and historic and it's just this gif of a guy and i said cdh players and it's just like i've been training for this moment my whole life
2: yeah yeah <laughs> exactly oh uh, well at least, well, that at least about-
0: since a couple of years ago yeah <laughs> or last <laughs> year yeah <laughs> Uh, well, that about wraps things up for us today. Just a quick reminder that you can follow us on Twitter at Sculpty Boys, or you can find a direct link in our link tree in the description below. I want to also give a extra shout out to all of our patrons who help keep the lights on. If you, too, would like to become a patron, you can head on over to Patreon dot com forward slash the mind sculptors or check out the link in the description. Also, one more reminder that if you are going to be buying some cards, make sure to check out our TCG player affiliate link down in the description. Buy your cards through there and help us out. Thank you again for joining us. And from all of us here at the Mind Sculptors, I'm Callahan. We'll see you next time.